Good. We got a thumbs up in the back. I like that. There we go. Hello. All right. Good evening. Good to see everybody. Next week at this time, Christmas will have come and gone. Can you believe it? Oh, we got, <laughs> it'll be boom, gone. But as we think about that, I, I, I wonder and encourage you to think of who are you praying for this Christmas? Who are you praying that this Christmas would mean something more, would maybe even be the Christmas where they come to salvation? Who is that person on your list? Who should you be preparing to share that he was born to die with? So I just encourage us, as the countdown keeps going and Christmas gets closer and closer, truly be thinking about that and and even be praying, is there anyone that you may be called to share Psalm 22 with? Because in it we have the picture so vividly painted of our Savior's death prophetically told. Is there anyone that knows of the birth but needs to know what it all means? And you would share that. So I pray that next week at this time there's testimonies of going through and doing that. But as we're getting closer and realizing where we'll be next week at this time, let's prayerfully prepare the right way for this Christmas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for the birth of our Savior. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for our Messiah, our King, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you help each and every single one of us to be preparing our hearts, minds, and souls to celebrate your birth. And help us to know who, Lord, you want us praying more specifically for and who you want us sharing with this season, Lord. That they may come to salvation that that prodigal child may return back to your throne and, and your feet, Lord, saying, I'm sorry. Lord, help, Father God, this season that it would be one exactly of what you would want as we remember the birth of our King. Thank you, Lord, that we can pray. Thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers. And thank you for this psalm, Heavenly Father, as we finish it tonight, Lord God. Help us to see the victory and the reigning to come of our King and to cherish that. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. So last week, uh, just to recap, we explored the depth of the suffering that takes place in this psalm. And when we look at that, we're seeing, again, our psalmist David, but we then saw the vivid portrait of the crucifixion thousand years before that even would be a thing being foretold. Reminding us again, Psalm 22 is a lament psalm, it's also a messianic psalm. And in the lament, we were reminded that we too suffer. We will suffer. And we're reminded within that lament psalm that Christ took the ultimate suffering. And a question I have us think about as we remind ourselves of what we read last week, do you look to Jesus in the midst of your pain and despair? Do you look to Jesus in the midst of your suffering? And in the midst of seeing others suffering, in the midst of seeing others in pain and despair, do you point them to Mashiach? Do you point them to King Jesus? We saw the tie when we looked at the text last week to the state of affairs with mental health today. And we were looking last week to just see the ways different things that society has and folks are diagnosed with. We saw the ultimate 
suffering that takes place from our Savior. And we saw that reminder, we need to have Christ at the center of our lives. And again, not saying depression, anxiety, those things are not real. But is Christ at the center of you navigating those things? Or are you just navigating it the way the world says to do that? And in light of Jesus, in light of what he did on the cross for us, we looked at Luke 9, 23 last week and were reminded, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, yes, and follow me. And with that, we were given that charge, because we have to think about that. How is that going for you? And I asked you last week to ponder, what do you need to crucify? What do you need to nail to the cross? Did you do that? Why or why not? Is there things that you're holding on to? Is there pieces of your being? Are there things that are prioritized that you've got to shift so that you can be solely focused? What do you want from me of this day, Lord? What is it that you want? Because again, saints, we're called to be doers of the word. If we think about James 1, verse 22, But be doers of the world and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does." I want to put that before us to remind us when we have these charges, when we come in the scripture, it's to get us to do the word of God. We don't just come to read it to learn. We do. That's great. But we're meeting our Savior face to face and we come to do his word. Because his word, Hebrews 4.12, reminder, for the word of God is living and powerful. What you hold in your hands, your paper Bible, because you've got rid of your electric one. Just kidding. What you hold is living and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Be doers of this living and powerful word. And when we think about denying ourselves daily, what the Lord has you reading in this season of your life, there's a purpose and a reason behind it. If you prayerfully discern, he's refining you. He's sharpening you. Be a doer of the word. Part of the charge also was to check your labels. Are you adopting the labels that society gives you, or are you remembering you're adopted by the Savior? That's what we need to think about. Because we have a hopeless suffering society that forgets we have a hopeful suffering servant Savior. So which labels are you taking? And go through and check that and check in different seasons of your life. And if you're a parent, a grandparent, what labels do you see your children or family adopting? And may you shine light to remind them, remember you're adopted by King Jesus. And our last part of the charge was, who will you say he was born to die for you and me? Who will you say that to? Perhaps you already said it to someone, but who will you say that to? That's just heavy on my heart for this body, this Christmas, born to die. Remind people of that. In the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of everything going on in our culture. 
Now, tonight we're going to finish Psalm 22, part three, three parts of the psalm. We're finishing it. Woohoo! And we saw Psalm 22 began with that agony. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And tonight, the third part of the psalm that we're looking at, journey foretold victory. We had suffering, and now we have victory. We're going to see deliverance and his reign, the reign of our king. Now, I want to remind you within the Psalms that we're in right now, 22, 23, and 24, consider it almost uh, just a reminder that shepherd trilogy, where this Psalm 22 is showing the good shepherd dying for us. And next week, we're going to look at Psalm 23, and we're going to see that good shepherd living for us, caring for us. And then in 24, we're going to see that good shepherd return and reward his sheep. 31 verses within Psalm 22. And in those 31 verses, looking at it for these few weeks, I almost think you could say back when I was in school, cliff notes, spark notes, it's almost like the cliff notes, spark notes of the whole gospel story. Because you get, you get it all within these 31 verses. You get all of the pieces that points to you. And tonight, we're going to see the forsaken one of verse 1 of the psalm heard by God. Tonight, we're going to be reminded that God never leaves us, his kids, and he's never silent. Just because in the suffering it's not going our way doesn't mean God isn't on the throne anymore. Just because we're experiencing suffering doesn't mean God isn't on the throne anymore. In our text tonight, we're going to see the unity of Jew and Gentile as one through the work of the cross. We're going to see that the work of his redemption drives us to praise him, to glorify him, and to fear him. We're going to be reminded of the joy that Christ foresaw in going to the cross. We're going to see the millennial reign foretold. We're going to see that foretold so clearly. We're going to see foretold that every knee will bow to King Jesus. And we're going to ponder as we look at that, How do we bow the knee to our king today? How do we bow the knee to our king each and every single day? We're going to also see the ever-flowing work of the cross tonight and how it continues to be spread from generation to generation and it gets passed on. All that he has done. The psalm that begins with, why have you forsaken me, ends with he has done. Because it is And that's something to think about when we look at the whole work of the cross. Saints, do you relish in that? Do you let yourself remember and look to the total work of the cross and realize it's finished? I have eternity with my king, eternity with my savior. So let's dig in tonight and we're going to start in verse uh, 21. We read, save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. So that's the end where we see the plea, the cry, that saving needed. And then we see the second half of verse 21. You have answered me. So we saw this plea. We saw this save me. We see now you've answered me. For David, in the midst of his suffering, what we're seeing as his voice of the psalmist here, what we're seeing is there may not be that immediate delivery But he has immediate comfort because he no longer feels forsaken. That forsaken feeling is gone because he's saying, you have answered me. It's enough for him. God is in the midst. 
It's enough. God is not going to be silent. He's answering me. So for you, when suffering comes and that suffering has yet to cease, is it enough for you to remember God's in the midst? God's with me in the midst of this suffering. Is that enough? Is it enough to remember he's not going to be silent? He hears me. It's that song that um, you, even when I can't see it, you're working. Waymaker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Do you think about that? And do you realize when you can't see him doing everything the way you think it is, guess what? He's still God on the throne. He's still working. He is still working. Now for Jesus, this answer applied to our Savior, you have answered me. The resurrection. He has answered. He is risen from the grave. Risen that we can have new life. And when you think about that, it's when, when did that moment happen where he knows that you've been answered? Could it be at the it is finished? Could it be at, Lord, I commend my spirit into your hands? We don't know exactly the right, the exact moment, but we do know he is answered and the resurrection comes. And because of all of this, it goes on to verse 22. I will declare your name to my brethren. So the first question you could say, because some would even though everything we just saw last week, even though you see the crucifixion, you could say, well, does Psalm 22 really point to Jesus? Remember, the Bible is a great commentary on the Bible. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2 with me. And if we turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, we read, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. The author of Hebrews, who I believe is Paul, we can talk about that later, not Paul Marini, um, quotes Psalm 22, and it points directly to Jesus. Jesus, coming as a human, as us, God, veiled in the flesh, sanctified, that we can be sanctified. Jesus calls us his people. Now, when we're looking at the context of brethren being used, we're talking, when we look at Psalm 22, and we're going to see that there, Jesus is talking of the Jewish believers, and then when we get to the great assembly, we see the Gentiles that come and are grafted in within that. But what we need to see within the quote from Hebrews is the direct point here, and in Hebrews, it's Jesus saying, I, you, through everything that's done, are my brother. And it's the direct quote here of Psalm 22, directly pointing to Jesus. So when one wonders, is Psalm 22 really about Jesus? Right there. Look at the quote. That's only about Jesus in Hebrews, pointing right to him. Now, as we walk through this text, I will declare your name to my brethren. It's a fulfillment of a prayer that Jesus prays. In John 17, 26, he reminds, And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. So in that moment, it's, we have the prophecy of what's going to happen, and then we see in what I like to call the Lord's Prayer, John 17, he's saying, I'm going to declare your name. And he does that right here. And it's the fulfillment within the Lord's prayer. And in this, declaring your name to my brethren, we see the Savior reminding of the primary purpose of Jesus going to the cross. God's glory. God being glorified. 
and then a model of obedience to God the Father. Because God the Son gives the ultimate obedience to God the Father in going to the cross, your will be done. And the gift of salvation comes. So when you struggle with obedience, have you ever tried to look to Jesus going to the cross? And perhaps that struggle with obeying what God is telling you to do might shift a little bit. To think of the obedience our Savior took to go to the cross for us. We continue on in this verse. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. This is the prophet, the Savior, offering song and praise unto God. In the midst of the assembly, before all, before Gentile and Jew, before all of them, I will praise you. It has to make us think, what is your praise like? Like, What's your praise life like? And also within that, what is your response to our Heavenly Father after deliverance? Think about your salvation. Think about moments where he brings deliverance, moments where suffering is, is passing or he brings you to the other end of it. What is your praise like? Do you say, I will praise you? Can you apply that portion of the verse to you and the situations or not? Because even in the suffering, we still can praise our king. Now when we see verse 23, we go on. You who fear the Lord, praise him. And you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all you offspring of Israel. So we see the deliverance has been granted. And now that deliverance builds something. It builds reverent awe. That reverent awe that is fear. The work of the cross builds awe. Turn to Matthew 27 with me. We see concretely as Jesus dies on the cross, the awe that comes. Verse 45 of Matthew 27. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Still persisting as they were in rebellion. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He's answered. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. Look at that mighty work in that moment. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. The work of the cross drives one to awe. In that moment, filled greatly with fear, truly this was the Son of God. The Son of God. 
And we see with verse 23, because there's a, there's a tri-call that we're given in verse 23 because of this deliverance. To praise the Lord, to glorify the Lord, to fear the Lord. But look at what it starts with. You who fear the Lord. Personal covenant name, you who fear. You who see the cross, you who understand the deliverance. You who see who he is and have that reverent awe. Praise him. Because that awe that we have for our Savior, when we realize what he did on the cross, we should praise him. And as we praise our king, we glorify him. And we seek to live lives that bring him glory. And as we're seeking to live that life glorifying King Jesus, we fear him. Because we have reverent awe and we don't want to be found disobedient. This verse points to something important. Yielding to his lordship. Far too often we're good with the part of Jesus is my savior. Is Jesus your Lord? Are you yielded to his lordship? Do you fear him? Does that reverent awe drive you to praise? In the praise do you seek to glorify him? As you seek to glorify him, do you seek and to obey because of that reverent awe? And that fear of, I don't want to disobey my heavenly father who did all this, who, who took it all on the cross for me. And then you praise him again. Praise is vital to our lives. I keep saying that worship is a weapon. What is your praise life like? Do you sing out to your king of kings? Because as you praise, guess what? It reminds you of what he did. Sunday we have the, the worship set. We sing all these songs. The songs, the lyrics remind you of what he did. And that then stirs the heart. I want to worship you. I want to obey you. I have reverent awe of your majesty. King of kings. Verse 24. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. We think about Isaiah 53.10 when we read that. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Because when we think about our Savior's suffering, you could say, oh my goodness. And you have people who would say, we saw that in the film that we watched a few months back where they're deconstructing their faith. Do you really want to serve a God who would kill his own son? He's so horrible. He's so mean. No. There's an eternal purpose for that suffering. Our salvation. And when we see that, saints, we have to remember within any suffering that we go through, guess what? There's an eternal purpose. There is an eternal purpose. Now for the unbeliever, sometimes that suffering is punishment. But for the believer, at times that suffering, it's chastisement. The Father loves us, Hebrews tells us, so he's going to discipline us. At other times, it's to refine us. But ultimately, for the believer, if we are trusting in our King, all the suffering is to glorify him. All of the suffering is to glorify him. And in that, we can praise because if our king is getting glory, that's a reason to praise. In that, we can praise because guess what? We know how it all ends. We have eternity with him forever and ever. Second half of verse 24. Nor has he hidden his face from him, but when he cried to him, he heard. God's sovereignty and plan is going to be done. But for David, for the son of David, Jesus, for you and me, guess what? When we cry out to Jesus, when we cry out to our king, he hears. He hears. 
But when he cried to him, he heard. He answers, he hears. My question to you, is there ever a reason not to praise our Lord? Is there ever a reason not to praise our Lord? No. And take comfort in seeing all that our Savior did and take comfort in being reminded he answers, he hears us. Then we read verse 25. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. My praise shall be of you before the great assembly, all Gentile Jew. My praise is going to be of you. And think about this. If we go back to Matthew 2630, I'll just read it for you. Before our Savior goes to the cross, remember what he does. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They sing that Passover hymn and journey onwards. Now this messianic psalm is talking of this great deliverance. The resurrection has happened and guess what's happening? Praise. Again, saints, is your life one of praise? I think far too often in Christian culture, you go, oh, well, yeah, I like, I like worship, but I don't really like singing or I don't really want to worship or it's not really my thing to worship. What? What do you mean it's not really your thing to worship? God sent his son, died on the cross for you. Sing praises to him. I don't really have a good singing voice. Used to teach voice. I think everyone can sing. I, I won't go down that rabbit hole right now. But sing to the Lord. And if you are out of key and you had somebody in high school or middle school who told you you can't sing, the Lord hears you beautifully. He's happy that you're singing unto your king. Sing to the Lord. We're going to see later in the Psalms, we're called to sing a new song unto the Lord. We're called to praise. And I challenge you, in the suffering, in the hardship, in the trial, praise. Our family, when, when hardship comes or things come where we want to go, now Baldrick will cue us, time for battle, and we'll sing Battle Belongs. But praise. Go to the Lord in praise, in worship. Now, when we see this, we see, again, the praise to the great assembly. There's something important for us to note with our Savior. Jesus unifies all. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. When we read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, because this is the praise that we're seeing in this verse in the psalm is going before the great assembly, Gentile Jew, together. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The unity that comes from our King. Praise Him for that. Everything that we read, we talked about the crucifixion last week, all of the agonizing pain up and down from where the nails would be pierced, that we can be one with Him. Jesus, the cross, the unifier, Galatians 3, 26 for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. Now for those of you who were at the Israel event we had, I did a teaching on replacement theology and all of that. Go back and listen to that. We don't replace 
Israel's purpose scripturally. We don't replace Israel. We looked at that. We're grafted in. The cross brings us all in in one. You believe you're one in Christ. And that's where when I look at our culture, when I look at everything going on, when I look at, I've said this before, all of the DEI things, I'm like, we don't need DEI directors. We need Jesus. Boom, go to him. We're all one. You're set. He is the unifier. He is the equalizer. And when we see that, when we see the gift of salvation, we're driven to praise, which is why my praise shall be of you in the great assembly. And in that great assembly, I wanted to point out the unity that comes from it. But then the second part of this, when we realize that, is I will pay my vows before those who fear him. We keep our promises. We keep our word. That's part of that obedience. That's part of that fearing, praising, glorifying, fearing that we saw earlier. Because we keep the word. We keep our promises to our king. Then we see verse 26. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. So we see he cares for the afflicted. He takes all affliction upon himself, caring for the afflicted. And in seeing that, the poor, the underdog of society, guess what? The Lord cares about them. The Lord cares about all. And they will be satisfied. And then we see those who seek him will praise the Lord. There's a hidden promise within that. If you seek him truly, you will meet him. If you seek him truly, you will meet him. And when you meet him, you're going to praise him. I challenge that stubborn believer who says, I don't want to sing worship or who, you know, they stand during worship or they just, you know, they're avoiding it. They're not going to do that. When you come face to face with the king, are you really not going to be able to sing, worthy is the lamb? You're gonna. You're going to. And we have to realize that. But the question I ask you today, saints, tonight, do you still seek Jesus? Do you seek Think about that. I know we're all students of the word. I know we love our Lord. Do you seek him? Do you say, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to commune with you more. I want deeper intimacy with you, my Savior, my King. Holy Spirit, fill me anew that I can be drawn deeper to my King. Do you seek him? Because there's that hidden promise here. If you seek him, you will find him. And it will drive you to praise. Will drive you to praise. Verse 27. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And he rules over the nations. This is that sweet, sweet, sweet reign foretold. This is Christ's millennial reign foretold. Leading to eternity. We know and we've seen in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, the promise to Israel, the promise to the land. We know that we're grafted in to be children of Abraham by our Savior, by our King. And we know the millennial reign to come. The millennial reign to come. After that beautiful moment, the blessed hope that we have, the rapture. Then there's the great tribulation. And then this millennial reign foretold here. Now turn to Hebrews 12. Because it's that reign that he has that 
pieces into this this verse. So we see in Hebrews 12, uh, look at verse 2 first. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Look to him. Who, for the joy that was set before him, and that rain that we just read of is that joy, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And in light of that, In light of all he's done, in light of what he took, in light of the joy that he took it, knowing all that would come, look at what we do, the beginning of this text, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We cast aside the sin. We cut off the sin. And if we go back to earlier, that fear, that praise, that glorify, that fear... Guess what? You can live this text much easier. You can be a doer of these words much easier. Because your life becomes one that repentance and worship are ever-present. It's not something that just happened when you first got saved. It's how you live daily. And the cross gives us access to that. And that then compels us to share that. To share who he is. Then we see verse 29. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. The feast of worship, and we see the humble reverence here. If we read verse 29 again, all the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. And we think about that. It should remind us of a text that we know. Philippians chapter 2. And the parallel of this portion that we're going to look at in Philippians 2 to everything we see in Psalm 22 again just reminds me of the importance of being students of the Old Testament and also seeing how the Lord weaves together the Word of God. It's so powerful and a testimony of his, His faithfulness and who He is. Now we read in Philippians 2, verse 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God, we see that purpose again, to the glory. What drives all of this taking place? Go back to verse 5 of this text. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It starts with the Savior, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. His preexistent state, he still comes in humility, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. God veiled in the flesh, born to die. And being found in appearance as a man, God veiled in the flesh, he humbled himself, ultimate humility, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Everything we read last week of the crucifixion of our Savior, the gospel accounts that we saw when we started this psalm, going through each gospel account, all of that is what enables what we read in verses 9 through 11. That every knee will bow. King Jesus, 
the reign that he will have, all will bow, the entire world. It's an act of submission to Jesus in word and action. So everybody's going to be saved. No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying here, folks. I want to be clear on that. That's not what this is saying. But what this is showing is even those who have had complete rejection, rebellion, when that moment comes, they will know this is Jesus. This is Jesus. They've already made their decision. We see in John where they're already bringing themselves because you can acknowledge, but do you believe? Have you surrendered? Have you yielded? Have you come to that repentance? That's every knee will bow. But for us, we have to realize, guess what? Those of us who are in submission to the Lord, we looked at earlier in this psalm, his lordship, we bow the knee now. We bow the knee now in every single day of our lives. Because we have to ask ourselves, how am I bowing the knee to Jesus' lordship? Because if you've made Jesus Lord of your life, Savior, Lord of your life, you bow the knee in the decisions you make. Do the choices you make reflect submission to his lordship or stubbornness to what you want? So we see that we bow the knee in our decisions. We bow the knee in our prayer life. Is it your will be done in your prayer life? Or is it, I'm telling you, this is what you're going to do, Jesus. You're going to make this happen. I'm declaring and naming and waka waka waka. Where are you with it? Where are you with that? In your marriage, are you bowing to the knee of his lordship? Men, are you truly submitted to the Lord that you then contend to God's daughter. Do you realize that? The woman that we, the, 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 we have these, these bands that we wear that remind us. But do you realize it's God's daughter that you're tending to? Do you bow the knee to his lordship to tend and meet the needs of his daughter? Because we're called to love as Christ loves the church. I don't know about you, but Jesus usually knows what I need before I even ask of it. How are you doing with that, men? It's a hefty call to be a husband. And too much in our culture, we like to do the wives submit to a, your husband. Submit, submit, submit. Shut up. I don't want to hear that. Realize the reality of where we're supposed to be with the Lord in that relationship. And are you in submission to his lordship? Do you bow the knee daily? Do you crucify yourself daily? Because it's not about what you want. It's not about hockey league, poker, or whatever. It's about the Lord and serving his daughter. In our family, we bow the knee. In our work life, we bow the knee to his lordship. What about the people that are considered the enemies within your sphere? Do you love them as we're called to? How are you doing with bowing the knee? Do the actions of your life bow the knee to his lordship? Because we see in the psalm, yes, everyone's going to come down to that. But how are you doing now? How are you doing Jesus as Lord? Verse 30. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. God's faithfulness told throughout all of the generations. It's the story of the cross passed on, passed on. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born 
telling of everything that has been done because that he has done this. And that he has done this. We can see the same thing in John 19.30 when our Savior says, it is finished. He has done this. Because it's all about God's glory. The beginning of this starts with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And goes through the whole thing pointing to the Lord. Who answers the Lord? Who brings the deliverance? God. Who gets the praise? God. Who's on the throne? God. Because he has done it all. God did it all for you. God did it all for me. We believe it. We believe in him. And that needs to drive us to serve him. To spread his word. To share who he is. Our text begins so painstaking in the beginning of this psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we talked about that moment of forsaking. Think of what our Savior took. Pre-existent. Tie this to what we're studying in John, saints. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The very, very, very beginning. And takes that moment of separation for our salvation. In obedience to God the Father. That we can be one with Him. He has done this. God has done this. It is finished. That it is finished reminds us all sin taken so that we can have communion with him. And then we think as we look at the millennial reign, we then have to saints look to that blessed hope. Do you look to that blessed hope? We see it in 1 Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And then verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. In this season where we remember our Savior's birth, born to die. That hope that we see everywhere, we just read about. That's the hope. Our blessed hope of his coming for us, his bride, the church, and all of biblical prophecy yet to come happening. That's what we look to. That's the hope. Do you share that hope this Christmas season with people? Because you think of all that, you can go different downtowns, they have hope, peace, love. I'm like, I want to have a talk about what this hope really means. It doesn't mean hope in me. It doesn't mean hope in, I'm going to get that nice new makeup kit from Johnny. No. It's the hope that we have of the rapture. Psalm 22, journey foretold. There's so much to glean in these 31 verses. And we need to, saints, share what we see. Because in light of everything that he did on the cross, and in light of the season of his birth, what do you do with it? What do you do so you're a doer with everything we've studied in Psalm 22? So the charge for the end of this psalm, one, how is your life of praise? How is your life of praise? Is it public? Is it private only? Do you avoid worship? All right, that Calvary Chapel Chapel Hill, they do about five worship songs. If I get there about 1025, I can just slide in and I don't have to worship. Not this church. But do you avoid it? 
Do you set the clock so you can get here at 10 for worship? If I told y'all people who are here at 10 get $100 on their seat, bet y'all would be here right on time. Hashtag just saying. What's your praise life? What's your praise life? Is worshiping and singing unto him a priority? And when you're not getting the answers that you want, when the suffering's persisting, do you still praise? Do you still praise? Two, do you seek him? And do you seek him daily? Do you seek him? Do you serve him? Do you share him? Triple S. Seek, serve, share. Do you seek him? Do you serve him? Do you share him? And three, when someone mentions his birth, will you show them the cross? Will you show them the cross? Carry Psalm 22 around with you for the next week. If you're going in any long lines, you know, let's, let's see who's going to be the one who will just start talking in the line. Oh, Merry Christmas. Let me tell you about Christmas and read Psalm 22. Do you point them to the cross so that they can be partakers of that blessed hope that they are in the book of life as opposed to going to be in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever? And if you think about this particular charge, if you start and keep that praise life active, it fuels the fire to do the rest, saints. Because you're continually reminding yourself who he is, what he's done, who you serve. And that's why the start of that moment you have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. That's what it's about. It's about him pointing up to him, our king. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for your obedience to God the Father in going to the cross that we can be one with you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who indwells in us, fills us in the moment of salvation. Help us to seek deeper communion with the Holy Spirit daily, to be filled up with you, that we deny ourselves and follow you, that we live for you. Help us to worship you. Help us to seek you. Help us to serve you. And help us to share in this season who you are with whoever we have opportunity to that they may have their name written in the book of life, Lord. Help us to plant seeds in these next few days. Help us to water seeds. Help us to reap the harvest, whatever your will would be, Lord. Help us to have open hands and to be obedient. Help us to praise you. Help us to seek to glorify you. And help us to dwell in your word, Lord, that it would refine us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a